Hello and welcome to episode two of LUFC Fan Zone Podcast. I'm Sam Isles. And I'm Jack Ellis. And each episode we'll be talking to an ex legionnaire player or manager about their time at the club. Our guests will be chosen by you, our followers and listeners, who get the chance to choose our upcoming guest by voting in a poll on our LUFC Fan Zone Instagram story. This week's poll showed that 65% of you wanted a head coach appointed by Mashamel Shalino instead of a head coach appointed by Ken Bates. All our episodes can be found on LUFC Fans on YouTube channel as well as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't watched the last episode with Saul Bamba, I'd recommend watching it. This week we're with a man who was head coach of Leeds United on four separate occasions, however was only in charge for a total of 42 matches. Today we're joined by former head coach Neil Redfern. Thanks for joining us, Neil. Thank you. The news came out that you've recently become a granddad, Neil. Uh, I'd like to start <laughs> off by saying uh, congratulations. No, thank you very much. Yeah, it's um, obviously my daughter Amy. She's um, she's given birth to a little girl, which is fantastic, you know. And it's uh, I'm really looking forward to the time when I can I can go on that Exeter and, and, and go and see her. It's um, you know, it's it's like anything else. It's it's a fantastic achievement. It's a strange time, isn't it, too? Turn a granddad because I bet you'd be wanting to see her more than ever. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, you you, you want to be there, really, but um, you know, you, like anybody else, you've got to abide by the rules. And um, like you say, it's strange times, and you know, particularly for 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 a young mum giving you know giving birth to a baby, it's it's it is strange times. So it's um it's important that we abide by the rules. But I'm sure I'll get a chance to see her sometime. Absolutely. So uh, we'll start at the beginning of your career, if that's all right, and kind of work yeah. his way into the present. So uh, you were born in Dewsbury. Did that yeah. mean you spotted Leeds when you were younger? Yeah, I did, as a young lad, yeah. I mean, I was I born in Dewsbury, Batley Hospital. Um, Same, I mean, I lived, lived, hospital. In a, <laughs> lived at a place <laughs> called Birkinshaw, um, which is not far from Driglington, which is just outside Leeds, between Leeds Bradford. And, um, you know, ever since I was a kid, my, my dad took me every chance, chance he could to watch that great Don Revy side. Um, my dad, he, he played professional football 15 years. And um, I think he, he saw it as part of an education, you know, to take me down and watch, yeah. which was probably the best side in the country at the time. Um, you know, and, and uh, I just became hooked, you know, on, on, on Leeds United and, you know, people like Alan Clark and Billy Bremner and, uh, you know, Don Revy's side was unbelievable at that time. Yeah, Although Leeds fans will obviously remember you for being a head coach at Leeds and the academy, before you were made yourself as a head coach, you made over a 1,000 appearances as a player and 790 of them in the Football League, which made you the fifth highest appearance maker in the yeah. Football League of all time. How would you describe yourself as a player? As a player, um, all action, I would say. Probably um, you know, a box-to-box midfield player. Um you know, I, I love getting in and around the around the around the goal, and you know, I was a goal scoring midfield player. Scored a lot of goals um, in my time, particularly at clubs like Barnsley and Oldham. And, um, just just love playing, just just love playing. And you know, I've said it before that you know, although I'm fortunate to play all those games, um, because it's you know, you, it's an honour to be a professional footballer. But if if I wasn't deemed as good enough, if you like, I, I think I'd have played that long anyway. I played locally and. Because I just love playing, I love the game. Yeah, so uh, you began your career at Nottingham Forest where you played in the youth teams. However, is it yeah. true that Brian Clough, who was the first team manager at the time, prevented you from making a switch uh, to Leeds? Well, what? yeah, well, what happened at, uh, when I was at Forest, 
I'd left school sort of a little bit early um, to sort of take up my apprenticeship role down at the club and probably in hindsight it, it was too early and I got a little bit homesick um, and I sort of stuck it as long as I could but in the end it became too much um, so the club allowed me to go and, and train with um, two or three clubs up, up, up north near, near my home and Bolton Wanderers was one of the sides that was, was really keen from you know before I went to um, Notts Forest um, Leeds United was another side uh, Bradford City and um, I was allowed to train at all three clubs uh, and obviously all three clubs showed an interest but I think such was Cluffy's dislike of Leeds you know, <laughs> he didn't want me to go to Leeds for some reason um, Alan Clark was manager at the time and obviously uh, it, it just never happened in the end But um, and I ended up going to Bolton Wanderers but yeah I mean I think uh, I don't think Cluffy wanted me to go to Leeds yeah, and then, like you said, from Forest, you later joined Bolton, and then on yeah. to Lincoln in yeah. 1984, where you've actually played in that horrific match at Valley Parade, didn't you, where the 56 supporters tragically lost, lost their life in the Bradford Stadium fire. Yeah. What What can you remember about that game? Because it must have been absolutely horrific. It it, it was. Um, I mean, the, the, the game in itself um, should have been a celebration, really, for, for Bradford City. I mean, I was playing for Lincoln, obviously, at the time, and, you know, we, we were fighting for points to, to, to stay up. Um but the the they'd awarded Bradford City the the, the, the trophy, um the, the old third division trophy, uh, which is obviously the, the first division now. Um and the the kickoff was delayed a little bit. They were gonna do a lap of honour with the trophy and it was a packed house, you know, the, it was it was absolutely full and, and bouncing Valley Parade. And um you know, we 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 sort of I think we kicked off at five past three because of the the the, the presentation and you know they did a lap of honour with the, with a trophy the Bradford City team and then we kicked off and it was just a surreal experience really after that I think we'd been playing maybe five ten minutes not long um, and there was just wisps of smoke coming from you know from the main stand and and obviously what had happened it were you know it, it, it was a, a a dry spring day and. You know, it was a breeze, and it was obviously caught fire at the stand, and it was it was just terrific, really. Yeah, it must have been absolutely terrible. But then, then from Lincoln as well as your career, you moved on and you played in the Premier League for a couple of clubs, including yeah. Charlton, who bought you for a million pounds. But yeah. it was at Barnsley, wasn't it, where you became a club legend and made over two hundred appearances. How did you find your time at Barnsley? Oh, I loved my time at Barnsley. Uh, lovely people, great people. Um, and and obviously when I initially signed at Barnsley, um, you know things weren't too good. They were near the bottom of the league, and um, we'd not got many points. And um, but I saw the so I was there seven years, nearly eight years at Barnsley, and, and obviously I saw the progression from them being a struggling um, Championship side, if you like, to to a side that got promoted out of that that level. And um, you know some of the football that we played, the season we got promoted was was unbelievable. I've not I've not seen better football. At this level, please play good football. <laughs> but I've, I've not I've not seen better football than that Barnsley side played um, at that level. But um, but yeah, I mean it, it it was just a, a really exciting time. You know, it was a, a revival, if you like, of the club. And um, you know, the, the, we had some fantastic players. You know, we had packed houses every week that promotion year. Um, very similar to what's happening with Leeds now at the moment in time. And um, they're just really good seasons. You know, great seasons to remember. Yeah. And in total, you played for 20 clubs in your 26-year career. 
yeah. ranging from the Premier League, from like Charlton, like you said, but also all the way down to Bradford Park Avenue in the Northern First Division, which was where you played your thousandth match. But why do you think you settled so well in at Barnsley? Because you spent so many years there, but no other club you spent longer than two years at. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think when I was sort of maybe early 20s, mid 20s, um, I was a little bit of a knothead, if you like. Um, you know, if, if I, w- I wanted to be playing, you know, and um, the, the, the sort of money side of things did, didn't sort of bother me that much. It, it, what was more important to me is that I played every week uh, and that I enjoyed playing and, and making football now. I mean, even more so now, it's more of a squad game now. I mean, when I first came onto the scene in the game, you know, you only had one sub, two subs, perhaps. But now it's a it's a it's a big squad game. You know, and players get left out, players get played, they get taken off, and, and it's part and parcel of the game. And but back back then, you know, as a young player that wanted to get on and do well, um, you know, it, it sort of got in the way at times. You know, striving to get on, and um, so I think that what happened at Barnsley, I think really, I I, I just I, I found a, a club where you know I enjoyed being in them surroundings. I think. At that point in my career, I was probably right at the height of my powers. I'd just come from uh, Oldham Athletic and we got promoted to, to, to the, the, the top flight. Um, and I was really instrumental in that season. You know, I scored nearly 20 goals for midfield that year for, for Oldham. And, uh, and obviously, Barnsley saw that. And, um, so, I mean, it, it, it was just a, a, a realisation that um, I'd, I'd settled and I was enjoying what I was doing. And I think, um, you know, and I think I was being appreciated. And I think that, you know, that's a big thing for a player. Yeah, so uh, in 2001, uh, despite continuing your playing career for a further seven years after you took the job, you had yeah. your first taste of management at Halifax, where you became caretaker yeah, that's manager. Right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, obviously, not, it was a baptism of fire, really, because absolutely no uh, resources whatsoever. The side was struggling near the foot of the table. Um, you know, I'd, I'd signed for a guy called Paul Bracewell, who... Um, who you know, really top player, played at Everton and played in the top flight, played for England. Um, and obviously it's on with a dream of coming as a player coach. And he was only there two minutes and he ended up being caretaker manager. And, <laughs> um, and I was still playing. And, it, and it's a nearly, well, it is, it's an impossible role to, to actually play and manage at the same time. Um, but, you know, as an actual learning curve or a learning cycle, it was a fantastic experience because you've got absolutely no resources. You've you've got a side that's struggling. You've got to try and fashion results. You know you've got to try and get young players through. It was it was just a, a, a and did, you don't think so at the time, but it was just a really good experience to be honest with you. Um, you know if if you wanted a crash course in management, that that was a perfect, you know, a perfect scenario really. Yeah. So how long before that were you interested in going into management? Well, I think. You know, sort of back towards the back of my uh, playing days at Barnsley, I'd got really interested in, in coaching, um, you know, with a top coach at the time, a guy called Eric Wynn Stanley. He was a really good coach, um, sort of really innovative with his ideas and, you know, how football should be played. Um, and he, he sort of captured my imagination then. And obviously, I was sort of getting on a little bit as well. And, you know, you start looking towards what you're going to do when you finish playing. Um, but I always vow to myself, play as long as you can and, you know, and if you're fit enough, play long. You know, play as long as you can. And um, but obviously, coaching and management's the next best thing to playing. You know, for me, <laughs> and um, and and obviously, it's something that uh, you know, coaching in particular is something that I love doing. Yeah. So uh, fast forward a few years, 
to 2008, yeah. where you joined Leeds' Academy from York. Yeah. Where you were a caretaker manager at the time. How did the move from uh, York to Leeds come about? Well, I, I'd, I'd initially um, uh, been at Boston United before that and, and worked with a guy called Neil Thompson, who was a former teammate at, uh, at Barnsley, who, who was a really good player. And uh, and Tomo was the, the, the manager of uh, of Boston United. I went there as player coach to help him. And uh, and he was a academy manager at Leeds when I was at York. And um, he, he had a call one night and, you know, would I fancy taking on the under-18s at Leeds? Um, I've been assistant manager to um, to um, Martin Foyle at, uh, at at York City, um, but obviously you know the lure of going to Leeds United and, and and working at Leeds United, such a big club, iconic club, um, you know w- was just too much. And, and obviously, to be fair to York City, they were brilliant. They didn't stand in the way, you know. They, they, they let me go and progress, and um, and obviously then the rest is history from from there on in. And then. When you did join Leeds, like you said, you joined the academy. So you began coaching the youth players rather than the adults that you'd maybe coached at York and Halifax previously. Yeah. Do you think you had to change your managerial and coaching style because the players were younger, or did you stay the same? Um, I think what you do is you you, you take little bits of of everything. I mean, obviously, you've, you've got to coach a little bit different because it's, it's about development um, more than winning football matches and, and you know and, and entertaining. Um, it's about the development of the players and the individuals and, and getting teams through and getting players through. Um, so the, the the accent's a little bit different, if you like, to, towards where you want in players to go and what success looks like. It's it's more about the players rather than the results. Um, so you, you change your outlook a little bit and you change the way you coach a little bit. But the principles of the game are exactly the same. You know that they're not too different. Um, and I think what what I really liked, I mean, Leeds is such a fantastic academy. I mean, it, it was then, it was before me, and it, it is after me now. I mean, it's just a fantastic academy setup, um, and um, you know, I, I think that um, it's it's a big club, big iconic club, Leeds, and obviously it's a one club town, so it gets the best kids um, from from this area, and you know, it's it's a, it's a real pleasure to work with them, and, and obviously at that time with some fantastic young players. Yeah, and then. And then when you'd been in the youth setup for three years in Leeds, you uh, became for the first time the caretaker manager in 2012, replacing yes. Simon Grayson. Yeah. Uh, can you remember how you were approached to take over Grayson? Well, it was a big shock actually, because you know Simon had, had been really successful. You know, I, obviously I was there. I, I joined the club roughly about the same time as Simon. You know, I came as under-18s coach, and obviously Simon got the job, the manager job, um, and he was brilliant for the club. You know, he, he got the got the the the, the club promotion. Um, they they had a, you know, they had good, a good couple of good seasons in the in the in the championship, if you like. And it sort of came on the back of a little bit of a dip. So it it was a bit of a, well, it was a big surprise that you know that that, that Simon went. Um, and then obviously when when they turned to me, um, you know, I'd, I'd obviously been working with the 18s and 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 helping a little bit with the 23s as well. Or the reserves, if you like. I think it was the reserves. Then we didn't have the E Triple P, you know, the, the, the new academy set up then. And um, and obviously, you know, they, they, they turned to me, and um, you know, they just said, look, can you look after it until you know until we we, we get another manager? And the, and the bottom line is, you know, you, you you you're working for the club, and you you you're trying to do your best for the club, and 
you know, have a long nap text to get the right guy in, then, you know, then you do it because it's, it's your job. So before you began coaching the first team properly, uh, how was your relationship yeah. with the first team? Did you know them personally from coaching within the youth setup or were you kind of separate? No, no. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, you know, we're having the career that I've had um, as a player, you know, you, 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 rightly or wrongly, you're sort of instantly recognisable, you know, with the senior players, you know, and, and you, you, you're with them on a day-to-day basis. You, you, you know, you, you're not actually coaching them, but you work with them. Um, you, you, you can see... You know, you see them on the meal times. You see them in the morning when they first come in. You see them before they go, and you've got a relationship with them anyway. And you know, I used to watch the first team train if if we had a blank day or if we had an afternoon spare or you know if, if the eighteens were doing something. Um, so I mean, and I was close to Simon um, Snods and, and Dusty anyway. Um, so you know, I, I was about around about that first team group anyway. So I, I, I knew the lads. So your first match in charge was against Bristol City. So can you remember how you prepared for the match at the time? Yeah, it was at Ashton Gate actually, and I remember when we set off to 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 the ground, it started snowing. Um, but you know it was just like a dusting, you know. So unlike modern day pitches, it's very rarely they get snowed off. I mean, if games are called off now, it's this because obviously the the surrounding roads are dangerous. Um, pitches they've got under soil heat and what have you. It's very rarely they're called off, but. This snow was starting to get stronger and stronger. I'm thinking it's just my luck. Get to manage leads, you know, for the first time the game's called off because of snow. But, you know, luckily it, it, it was only, a, you know, a, a minor hiccup and um, we had a fantastic result. We went, we won 3 0. Um, the lads played ever so well. Um, Bristol played the part on, on that day, very nerve wracking because, you know, 3 0 sort of, it, it didn't flatter us because we, we were the better side. But, um, they were definitely in it, Bristol City. Um, but it was just a good feeling because, obviously, you know the lads were upbeat because they got a good result. Um, you know, people were, were disappointed, obviously, because Simon had left. But you know, it was nice. It was nice for them to to, to get a result and um, you know just keep the confidence up. Absolutely. So uh, as you just said, three uh, nil away at Bristol. Yeah. Uh, first match in charge. You went on and won two of your four matches as temporary manager. Uh, however, Ken yeah. Bates, who was the owner at the time, appointed Neil Warnock as a permanent manager shortly after. Was it always a plan? Yeah. Or did you want to spend more time as a uh, head coach? No, I mean, because it happened so quick, um, you know, and, and I had no inkling whatsoever that Simon were going. Um, and obviously, I'd, you know, I was enjoying what I was doing. Um, the eight teams were successful. We were getting some, you know, some of the younger players were getting good recognition, and um, I was more concerned with that really. And um, you know, when the call came, obviously you 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 look after it for them. You know, there's no two ways about that. But you know, in in my mind, um, I was always going to go back to you know working with with the with the youth team. And um, so yeah, Neil came in, obviously a vastly experienced manager. Um, you know, and he's he'd got. Um, I think he got a lot of players. He brought a lot of players in that you know he knew from his time at Sheffield United when they were successful. Um, so obviously you know that era started then. Yeah. So when Warnock did come, like you said, he brought a lot of the older generation players like Michael Brown and Michael Tong that, like you said, play with him under Sheffield United, and that sort of like blocked the path for the younger players that you were helping to bring through the academy. Do you think he should have given? 
a chance to more of the youth players rather than bringing his older players in straight away? Well, I, th- I think, to be fair to, um, to to Neil Warnock, I think what he did, what he, he, he probably brought players in that he knew, you know, um, that, that were, you know, that knew how, how he played and, and, and what he wanted. Um, I don't think it, it blocked the way for the young players entirely. I think that season Sam Byron made his debut. That, that was one of them. Um, and obviously Chris Dawson had been around the squad. I think he came off off the bench one game. Um, so I think I think there was some interest there, and I think obviously Neil knew the, that we've got a decent youth setup, um, and we've got some good players. Um, so um, and as a youth team coach, you 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 sort of knuckle down, you get on with your work, and you know, and, and if they ask you about players, you, you you tell them your opinion on players, and and then it's up to the manager at the time. You know whether they put them in or whether they don't put them in, but um, we, obviously we've definitely got a lot of these good young players, you know, bubbling underneath the surface of the first team. Do you, do you think like, at the time many of them players should have maybe got into the first team but didn't get a chance? Um, well, look, football's all about opinion. I mean, you know, and, and you know, my opinion's strongly linked to youth. And obviously, you know, when I got the job, I put a lot of young players in. And and that is how I saw it, you know. And and it's it's just it's about opinion, you know. And it's about, but I see I was I was fortunate. I was in a I was in a strong position anyway because obviously I've been at the club a long time and I knew these young players and I knew the senior players and you know and I knew that we've got a lot of good experienced players for these young players to go in and play with. So you know perhaps from you know from that side I'd, I'd got a little bit of an advantage over perhaps managers that came in after or before. Um, so you know, it, it, for me, it was a no-brainer because I just saw these young players that were, you know, that were top young players. They were, they were, they were, they were good enough. They were, they were more than ready. Um, and at that time, you know, it was, it was, it was a, a little bit easier, perhaps, to put them in. Neil Warnock only lasted a year, and then you became temporary head coach again for a second time, but just for one match before the appointment of Brian McDermott. But then, when McDermott was appointed. He, you were alongside him as assistant coach as well as coaching the youth setup. Yeah. How did you find that? That 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 is the best time. Um, that is the or that that was the, the the best they've had that role at Leeds United. I mean, I think they've got it somewhat similar now with um, um, Carlos Corbin. Yeah, you know, what I mean, he's got one foot in the first team and one foot in in the you know with the, with the under twenty threes, and it, it's it's good thinking. You know, it's 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 the best that we've had it. You know, when I was there, um, because you've got a clear link. Then you've got somebody who's working with the first team and with, you know, with with the uh, with the youth team, and it draws the academy that little bit nearer to the first team. Um, Brian Brian was a brilliant manager. Um, you know, very underrated, um, quite quiet, studious, thought about the game, um, listened to you know to to, to the to his people around him, his staff around him, and you know, he, I mean, he had us, he had us up there in the in the top six, at, at, you know, at times um, in, in his time there. And um, obviously, he was quite keen on on young players in youth. You know, I'd I'd played with his assistant Nigel Gibbs at Watford, um, so he was a former teammate of mine. So, you know, I was sort of in good company, and um, I, I really enjoyed Brian's um, reign at Leeds. So McDermott was sacked in 2014. You returned to your academy role. However, at the time, this was when Massimo Cellino just bought the club. And it was reported that Cellino was to cut 
funding towards the youth setup in order to basically generate funds. What did that change for you, and how did it affect the youth setup? Well, I think that, I think when you um, perhaps when you get an overseas owner is and 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 how you know how they view football and how youth footballs um, you know viewed in in Italy or you know they've they've got different ways of doing things. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, from my point of view, you know, we we just got on with it. Um, you know, when I got a chance to sort of speak to him, you know, if he asked me about players, I give honest opinion about some of the young players. To be fair to him, he did listen. Um, and, you know, I, it was just trying to get or run the club as, as near as normal as we can. But there was a lot of change going on, um, which, you know, which, which was going to be upset, unsettling for, for, for some people. But... We just tried to run it as near as normal that we could, and um, you know we 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 knew as a, as an academy staff we we've got some really really talented young players. You know, talking about people like Lewis Cook and Taylor and Byram and Mowat and, and Calvin Phillips. You know, who's there now? Um, you know, it was a really rich purple patch of you know of, of top young talent. And um, and to be fair to Chilino, you know, he, he listened to all that, and he, and he you know he he, um, he he was aware of it and. You know, and, and it was just a um, a matter of time to try and get them in and around the first team, and you know, and that and that was really my role at the time. How different was your relationship between uh, Ken Bates and Salinio? Do you think either of them really understood the importance of having a good youth setup? Yeah, I think they did. Um, you know, I think to be fair, you know, I think that obviously Bates comes under a lot of criticism from Leeds fans and. Um, but my dealings with him, I mean, I didn't have that much dealings with him anyway, you know, in, in the academy. But, you know, when I was caretaker manager and, and he was a chairman, he was, he was fine with me, um, you know, and um, tried try to be perhaps as helpful as he could at the time. Um, you know, and I, and I think with, with um, Massimo Cellino coming in, I, I think that, you know, he had his idea of how he wanted to do things and, and what he wanted to happen. And, you know, there's definitely a culture thing. Um, there, you know, it's how what's deemed as the right way to do things in Italy is perhaps different in this country. And um, but I have to say, particularly initially, you know, he listened to you know what we thought and, and what we tried to put in place. And you know, to be fair, you know, he, he didn't try and get in the way of these young players getting into the first team. We was for it. I mean, we brought a lot of players in at the time. You know, some really talented um, overseas players as well. You know, people like Mirko Antonucci and you know, players. Um, you know, Gatano Barardi who's still at Leeds now, been a great servant of the club. And you know, and some of these players were it was good for them to have that experience, the young players of, of being with, you know, Italian players and overseas players and, 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 and homegrown players and, and obviously national players from this country. So it, it 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 seemed a bit of a toxic mix at the time, but it it was actually, you know, quite a good experience for some of them. Yeah, then less than two months into Cellino's tenure at the club, you became temporary head coach of the first team for third time in just three years again when you replaced David Hockaday. Yeah. How how did being a head coach under Cellino differ to being a head coach under Ken Bates, which you'd previously done? Um, well, it's, it's like anything else. I mean, you know, the, the, the biggest part of, of management um, or senior management is, is being able to manage up and obviously your relationship that you have with you know, with the, with the guy that's the, the number one or the owner, if you like, you know, things things have changed. Now, if you look at, at Leeds United now, I mean, Andrea's a, you know, he's a good owner. Um, and you've got, 
you know, such as Victor Arter, who's you know, who's the man in between, um, you know, Marcelo Bielsa and, and and obviously Andrea, and 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 that that is probably a better scenario because you you know you've got a football link between, you know, the business side of things and and the football pitch, and obviously you know when I was there I didn't really have that, so you've got that one to one contact with, you know, with the owner if you like, but um, you know, I mean. He loved his football, I have to say, uh, Massimo Cellino. I mean, he loved talking about his football. Um, Basically, was the same. You know, if, if he thought he could help, he'd help. Um, he, he, to be honest with you, as a caretaker manager, I think they they just leave you to it. You know, it's you know, as long as you, you know, you, you keep them in the loop with what's happening and you know and who's injured and what have you, um, and 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 they just leave you to it. And um, and and obviously, it's different being a caretaker manager than. And actually being a manager, um, particularly if you know if, if you're wanting if you if you if you're running the coaching side of things at the club, you know with the academy, you, you know that role's there, and, and and basically you're just looking after things for them. Yeah, when when you did replace Hocker Day, were you aware that you were in temporary charge with no view to be the job becoming permanent, and that the club were looking for a new manager, or do you think that you might have been able to take it permanently that time? No, I mean, I mean, listen, you know, you, you just take it on on the goodwill that you, you're looking after it for, you know, your employers. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd really, I'd, I was enjoying what I was doing um, with the academy. I was enjoying, you know, working with the kids, getting the kids through. You know, I could see some light at the end of the tunnel for these young players. I mean, it gives you a great, it gives you a great feeling of achievement for, for, for yourself and all the members of the staff, the academy staff. When you get young players through, it's a great feeling. Um, you know, and, and I like that side of it, um, and 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 obviously, you know, I didn't really look past that. You know, that if if they come and ask you to look after it, then you look after it for, you know, the foreseeable future. And then, you know, if a new manager comes in, a new manager comes in. Again, you were replaced this time by Darko Milanić. However, he was sacked 32 days later, which lined you up with the first team job once again. Yeah. However, this yeah. time you were appointed as a permanent head coach as opposed to a temporary and given a one-year contract. What made you decide to accept the permanent job rather than take the part-time? Well, I think that, um, I think, I think what had happened, obviously there'd been a lot of uncertainty and a lot, you know, a lot of change at the club. Um, and, and I think at that time, perhaps, you know, I looked at it and thought that, you know, these young players probably deserved a chance and, and probably the best chance for them to, to for me to show, showcase the academy and, um, you know, and, and give them an opportunity to to sort of get on and kick on. Um, you know, was just to probably take the role or, or be really close to the role and have an influence over the role. You know, with the first team. So you know, it just it just seemed a, a natural thing to do. And I think that I think it was a, a, such a time. I mean, it was a difficult time. Don't get me wrong, because um, you know the the previous caretaker spell we'd, we'd done great. I think we won three and drew one, um, and it sort of just steered us away from relegation a little bit. And then obviously Darko came in and really didn't have a chance to get his feet under the table, if I'm honest. Um, and then it sort of left us down there. I think we were fourth bottom um, when I took over. And and it was just a case of, of, of sort of steadying the ship and and just trying to, you know, steer us away from the foot of the table. And to be fair, you know, we had some we had some hiccups along the way. We had, you know, we had some some spells where, you know, we didn't get what we were as own way. But by and large, you know, we, we went on a decent enough run. You know, we had little spells where we went on many runs and, you know, we, we we blooded these young players into the first team, which was key, which was important because they were good enough. And I think as 
as times moved on and times proven that they were good enough. Um, and it just gave everything chance to settle down while we were getting away from the foot of the table. And, and obviously, from my point of view, and you know, and everybody at the academy's point of view, the most important thing was the football club. You know, and, and that you know we 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 got it on a good footing for whatever happened after. Absolutely. Uh, were there any requirements set by Salinio when he appointed you as head coach? No, no, just just get on with it. You know, just do your job. Um, I mean, obviously, um, you know, there, there was Nicola there, Nicholas Salerno. He was a he was like a technical director, if you like. He recruited. You know, I got on really well with Nicola. You know, he, he was a really nice old guy, quite bright, knew his stuff. Um, and I, and I just think it was it was just sort of you know trying to get on with it best you can. Um, like I said, I mean we were we were near the foot of the table, um, so we was trying to get some consistency there. Um, you know, it was important that we did blood these young players in as well because they were good enough. Um, but again, probably not the, the the best sort of scenario to put young players in if you're near the foot of the table. You you want them to have a good experience. Um, but they actually did really really well for us. Um, and and obviously you know we sort of managed to settle things down and you know we managed to, to sort of steer it away from from where it was and in the end I think looking back on the, the on the on the um, points per game I think we only it was only like seven maybe seven eight nine points you know out of the playoff spots in the end so you know we 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 did all right with what we got and then when you took over permanently that season the squad that you inherited like you said before included many new arrivals, but most of them coming from Italy. Do you think them players that have been brought in from the Italian second divisions were good enough to get promoted from the championship? Well, I mean, I've not much, I've not much knowledge of the Italian leagues, if I'm honest. I mean, obviously, I knew, you know, I, I knew some of the players that had come in, um, you know, but I didn't know the level or the standard or, or, or what they were up. Um, I mean. The, the good thing or the beauty of, of you know having all these um, foreign players in if you like or Italian players in is that you know it's, it's just just to witness how they work and you know and, and their attention to detail and you know and, and and the way they look at things I think there was a, a lot of things to take from that um, you know and, and I think to be honest with you I think maybe um, you know some did well and, and and some found it tough i mean it's a really tough division the championship to sort of you know to to try and impose yourself on um you know it's a different culture like i said um but i think that um i think it you know in that that season in particular i think that you know that, that, that definitely uh, quite a few of them contributed um you know and I, and i think that um i think they realized the situation that we were in i think that um you know, obviously there's, you know, the, 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 there's going to be a bedding in period, um, but I think after, you know, after they got bedded in, and I think after they, you know, we, we got used to the routine and what were happening, and there was a little bit of continuity there. I think that was important. Obviously, they'd seen a lot of managers come and go. Um, you know, we managed just to sort of put some results together and, and, and get a little bit of momentum. But, um, but yeah, I mean, from that point of view, they, they, you know, that that weren't the problem. Yeah, and a player that arrived that season but didn't come from Italy was Adrian, who had come from Brazil. Yes. And to fans, that was quite an exciting signing because he'd been linked with some big clubs and named the young Zico and all of this. But his time at Ellen Road didn't really work out, did it? Why do you think that was? Well, I think he was only a young, he was a young guy. He was a player player. Um, I think probably at that time, 
you know, I think we were scrappy for points and I think his big probably his bigger influences were, were maybe, you know, at times when we started him in games we thought we could get the best out of him and, you know, at times we fetched him off the bench and I mean the kid was as good as gold to be fair. Um it, but it was a difficult it was a difficult one to sort of a, a blood a young flair player, if you like. Um, you know, we we we're trying to just Put a side together that was difficult to beat at the time because we were struggling for points and we needed to try and get away from the foot of the table. But um, he was such a bright young player, great kid. Um, you know, I think that what would have been nice if he, if you know if, if things had been settled and you know we could have had him, maybe him and maybe a few others younger ones that you know that that, that come in from you know overseas. If we could have had him longer and worked with them longer, then you know we might have got more out of them. But you know, everything was um, you know short term, and football's like that. You know, you've got to get results, and you've got to, you've got to perform. Um, but um, but no, I mean, he, you know, he, he was a he was such a he was a talented boy. You know, he's a he's a bright kid, he's a lovely kid, and um, and sometimes football, you know, you just need the right set of circumstances, and probably for for Adrian, it wasn't the right set of circumstances for him. Yeah. So, uh, between your appointment and the start of 2015, Leeds picked up a total of eight points out of a possible 27. During that time, yeah. did you think Salinio was going to lose his patience again with another head coach because he was definitely known for giving out the axe? Yeah, I mean, well, you, 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 yeah, you, you can't worry about things like that. Um, you know, and, and I think that, um, you know, going back to your experiences when, you know, you've had to manage in adversity at places like Halifax and places like that, I think it stands you in good stead. I think that, um, you know, what while you while you always got dialogue there and while you're talking and I think to be fair I think from the position that I inherited that I think he knew it was gonna be a difficult job. Um and to be fair to him, he you know, he he, he he never put the pressure on me to um he never put pressure on me in such that you know, that he didn't know it was it was gonna be anything but a difficult job. So you know, I was just allowed to get on with it, to be honest with you. Um, and, I, and I think that um, I think there was a, there were a lot of things that helped at the time. I think the fact that I I played the vast majority of my football as a player at that level, championship level, was a big was a big plus um, because I knew the division, I knew the level, and I think it was a big help to everything. You know, at the club at the time, um, so you've got somebody who was perhaps vastly experienced at that level. So at that time, probably. Um, to get us out of that situation, I was probably the the best person to have, um, you know. And then football moves on. Then you know you get you, your club goes on, and you, you know your your outlooks change. And um, but at that time, I think it was um, it was just a case of trying to knuckle down as a as a as a staff, as a as a club, and and, and just try and get you know um, you know leads away from the bottom of the table. The final match of that nine game run was a 2-0 loss away at Derby, where yeah. Leeds, like you said, were sitting dangerously close to the relegation places. And at the time, questions were being raised whether Leeds would go down to League One. Did that match change anything for you at all? Yeah, I think what I think what we realised, um, I mean, obviously, we've, we've played a certain way and we've got some results initially with it. Um, and I thought we were looking, you know, particularly from a caretaker spell. Um, you know, we've we played a formation that suited us, that suited the majority. You know, particularly the overseas players, um, and we played this way and we picked results up, and then it sort of had a shelf life. 
and in the end, you know, you, you've got to, as a manager, you've got to be proactive and you've got to be, you know, you've, you've got to be inventive and you've got to be able to solve the problem. And um, I think what we did, we, we, we changed the shape, we changed the system, we changed the personnel um, and we just made ourselves harder to beat. And, um, you know, we, we, the, the, derby, the derby game was, you know, it was far too open. Um, you know, we, we'd beaten Derby at home 2 0 in, uh, in one of the runs, and, and obviously the, the 2 0 defeat at, at Derby was was a poor, not only was it a poor performance, but obviously a bad result and came on the back of one or two defeats. So, you know, we had to change things, and you've got to be proactive as a manager. You've got to be prepared to, you know, you've got to be prepared to change if you don't think it's right. And, you know, we changed what we thought would, would help us, um, and in the end, it did. Yes, there was there were just three matches between that poor match at Dad, like you said, and a one nil win over Bournemouth, who at the time were one of the best teams in the league and top of the table. And the team just seemed from that game on and after the Derby match, the team just seemed to be playing so much better and the lineup seemed to change, like Luke Murphy and Steve Morrison began starting and there were more youth players, Charlie Taylor started getting some more minutes and there might have even been a change of formation there as well. What what made you make them changes? Well, I think we had to, um, you know. I'm, I think when if if the performances are good and you and and your results are a little bit indifferent, and but you can see some light at the end of the tunnel, then you can perhaps persevere. But I think what was happening in, in the recent games, you know, the, the, not only were the results poor, but the performances dropped. And I think once you get that, you've you've got to try and do something to 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 change it, halt it, and make it different, freshen it up. Um, and the changes worked. You know, we 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 went a little bit more um, uh, authentic, if you like, for that level. Um, you know, it was a four-two-three-one formation. Big Stevie Morrison. You know, he 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 played as a lone striker, as a target for us, and did a great job for us as regards holding the ball up and occupying, you know, um, the opposition. Um, and it gave us chance to, you know, to, to to still have these young players in, and obviously. You know, the, the system suited them. We look, we look more solid at the back. Um, we got as experienced in in front of the back four, and and we started to get results with it. Yeah, and at that that period, it wasn't just a change of results as well. They were getting better, but at the time, Massimo Cellino had just been disqualified from the club by the FA. Do you think that edit had any sort of influence and impact within the team? And, um, no, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, the the only real dealings that um, the players had with with the owner was, you know, was perhaps through me. Um, so, you know, and and it'd been all right with me. I mean, I, I didn't know what was happening as regards him getting banned and things like that. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's none of my business. You know, and I just, you know, pick the team, get on with it, take the training, um, you know, report back. You know, find out what's happening, and you know, you you just sort of kick on. And um, I think to be fair, I think it was you know it was the right decision to change things at the time. It it needed change. It needed freshening up. We we needed to be a little bit more resilient as a team. Um, you know, we 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 still wanted to sort of keep that flair that we'd got um, and, and try and create a score. But we were, we were, we were a better side for it, and we became harder to beat. Yeah, definitely. And in, in that month in January as well, you brought in three new additions with Saul Bamba, who, who we had on last week of the podcast, actually. Yeah. Grandi and Dying, Edgar Chani. At the time, how did the transfer policy work at the club? Like, for example, did you suggest that the club should buy these players that were there brought to you? 
Well, we needed a big centre back, um, you know, which was important. Um, you know, we, we needed somebody who knew the level, um, and, and obviously, you know, me and Tomo got his heads together, and we knew Saul was out there, Saul Bamba. So, you know, um, he he was one that we wanted to bring in, which got you know, which got ratified, put through. I mean, obviously, you know, Gandhi and Goy and um, Egitani, you know, they were Vic, uh, they were. Um, um, Nicholas, Nicholas, uh, you know, signings, um, which is fair enough. You know that that's how that's how the system worked at the time. You know, you you've got a, a recruiter, and we did need a we did need some more uh, firepower up front. I mean, at that time, I think we'd only we'd only Stevie Morrison and and Mirko Antonucci as strikers as such. Um, so we did need another striker, um, and obviously Gandhi was somebody that Nicholas had seen that thought might. You know, might might help us with the physical presence in midfield, but we've got people like Rudy Austin and that as well who are doing all right. But um, so so yeah, I mean, you know, them were the three that came in. I thought, I think, if I'm honest, I think Saul did a good job for us. You know, definitely he galvanised the changing room. Such a good character, such a strong character, and um, you know, he um, I thought his performances helped. You know, towards the the, the running towards the end of the season as well. So in the last episode, Bamba spoke very highly of you. He said that you asked him to sort out the dressing room. How do you think Sol did at sorting out the club? It, I thought it was brilliant. Um, you know, we, we, we knew he was a big presence. Um, we knew he was a good guy. Um, you know, he, he, he gave us experience and physical presence and athleticism at the back, which, you know, which we probably needed. I think he helped Coops at the time. Um, and I, I think it was a good signing for us. And... Um, you know, as regards, you know, the, the dressing room, I think what you've got to remember with, with, with football clubs is that, you know, you, everybody sees footballers and they, they judge footballers on the football merit, but the, there's people in there as well, you know, and everybody's different. And, you know, particularly when you've got a, a, a mixed dressing room, if you like, of, you know, homegrown players and, home, home, you know, players from this country and then players from overseas. So, he was the perfect type to, to, to come in and, and, and just help us on that front as well, and he was excellent. And Goy and Sani didn't have much impact at the club, but Bamba's arrival seemed to turn Leeds' results around. Like, he won seven of his first 11 matches whilst being at the club and just lost three times. Yeah. Do you think he was an important addition on the pitch as well as off the pitch in a dressing room, like you said? Oh, massive. Yeah, massive. And, um, I mean, you look since, I mean, since he left Leeds, he went to go on and play in the Premier League with Cardiff. Um, so, you know, he's he's a player that's got got ability, and um, and like you say, he's, he's got real leadership qualities, and you know, he's he's a calming influence in the dressing room. He's a, he's a voice of reason. You know, it, it was good for me and Tomo at the time because you know we got that link then, um, which we had as well through Coops and people like that. I think for for Liam Cooper, I think he was a good foil, and I think he helped Coops. You know, I, I look at Coops now, and he's a really top performer. You know, and, and sometimes having you know, players like or having the experience or having experienced players alongside you in your journey just just helps, and you know, I'm sure Coops will vouch for that. Um, so I mean, he he, he was good for us, and um, it, it not only is it was he a good player, and you know, and a player that we needed at the time, that type of player, he was a good person, and uh, and that was the most important thing. Another player who was one of Leeds' more important players that season was Mirko Antonucci, who arrived at the beginning of that season. He was the club's yeah. top goal scorer as well. However, it was reported that if he reached 12 goals in a single season, he would receive an extra one year on his contract. Was that true? 
Well, that, I, I, I mean, obviously that's that, that was in his if that was in his contract. Um, I mean, for me, I just you know I, I thought he was a great player, Mirko Antonucci. I thought he got a lot of ability, and um, you know it, some of the stuff he used to do in training was, was fantastic. And you know a player that could score goals, and, and at that time he, he, he was probably one of our main goal goal threats. Um, so you, you, you're going to want to keep playing him um, and keep him involved. I mean, he was a good kid. He used to work hard in training. Um, you know, his attitude was always good, I have to say. And, um, you know, it was important to us. So, you know, he was a, a player that was important that we, you know, that we, we kept out there on the pitch. Yeah, and of course, Antonucci went on to score 11 goals that season, one goal below his clause in his contract. Was there a reason why, when he did reach to eleven, he wasn't featuring as frequently, or was that just a coincidence? No, no. I mean, that, that's just how football is. You know, I think that, um, I think that, um, you know, you, you 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 pick sides as you as you as you pick them. You know, for for certain games. Um, you know, and and I think that, um, I, I think to be fair to Mirko, I thought I, I thought he was a you know he's a good player for the club. I thought he was. Um, I thought he was an exciting player. I thought he scored goals, um, and I, and I think that it's like anything else with players. You know, they have good. They have good spells in the season. They have spells where they need to come out, and you know. So so that wasn't a problem. Unfortunately, at this point, Neil had to leave us because of other commitments that he'd made. So we weren't able to complete the rest of the questions, and we weren't able to ask him about the six note six at Charlton, which he was in charge for, obviously, and his departure from the club. That ends this week's episode. Thanks to Neil for his time and sorry we couldn't read out the submitted questions and finish the episode properly. We'll be back in two weeks with our next guest, but who will it be? Stay tuned for the upcoming vote on our LUFC fans on Instagram story later this week to have your say. Thanks for listening.